0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach and I'm sitting here with Randy. What's up Randy?
1: Uh, not too much, not too much.
0: You might want to come in a little bit. I don't think it's picking you up.
1: Already I'll do that.
0: I can hear you now. Okay. Um
1: Can you hear me now?
0: I can. I can <laughs> Um we uh spent last week talking about King David.
1: We talked about all the good things in David. Yeah. Yeah, the first part of his life.
0: Turns out that's not the whole story.
1: This is the other side of the story.
0: <laughs> it's uh it gets ugly.
1: It really does. Uh it, it gets very descriptive. Uh it gets very bad very quickly.
0: Yeah. I I think uh I think people like relating to David because it feels very close to home in a lot of ways.
1: It's uh, just very real,
0: but he's also very good at times and he's definitely a hero figure. Oh yeah. And we see that. Definitely. And, um, seeing that he's kind of like, it, it needs to be said that David's sort of a, 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 a type, like a, like an archetype character, yeah. right? Like yeah. that the, um, the, the he represents a sentiment, that he represents an idea. And that idea is sort of like a precursor to Jesus.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that in the New Testament, Jesus, that there are literally hundreds of references to the son of David. Mm-hmm. And it's the Messiah. It's Jesus And it all refers back to David as evil, as twisted, as sinful as he was. It all goes back to David. And I think before we finish today, we'll come back and talk about why. uh, I I mean, if David existed today, if he was president of the United States, he would have been excoriated. He would have been just. Oh, destroyed. Thrown out, destroyed, nothing. And yet he's the ancestor of the Messiah.
0: And, and one thought fondly of through the New Testament. Very, Not, very fondly. I mean, definitely everybody's aware
1: of, you know, his sin. A man after God's own heart. That's what you kind of stick with through the whole thing.
0: Part of the reason, though, I think people identify with him so easily is that he being this kind of precursor character that points to the need for, like, the true Messiah, for Jesus. It's really hard to relate to Jesus. Yeah. Because Jesus is so other. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) we are so so nothing like (laughs) And we're not. We're a lot more like David. (laughs) Exactly. And so it's a whole lot easier for us, I think, to, to... relate to david but then at the same time we kind of want to like breeze over all that bad stuff and we want to focus on the good parts of david but i think we need to hash out what happens here well
1: scripture definitely doesn't breeze over the bad stuff (laughs) it paints it in absolutely gory
0: detail so this may be a good time to say you know if you got you know little ones listening or something there there may be some kind of mature content come up this here. This may
1: be a PG episode, yeah. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe PG-13. Could be, uh, <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it, man. What we got?
1: Well, so the whole thing starts in Second Samuel chapter 11, in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war. Uh, it's kind of hard to translate the Hebrew phrase that's there. But it's not really that kings kind of set a month of the year, and they all go out and fight each other on this month, and this was the month. Uh, It's more talking about the war with Ammon. So David, Israel, and Ammon are fighting. And the kings, Ammon represented uh, more than just a city. It was a coalition of city-states. And Israel was fighting against this coalition. So the kings came out to war, and David stayed at home, and he sent his army out. That's where everything kind of starts. Right. So David is at home looking for something to do, and you know the story.
0: Well, more importantly, though, had he been where he was supposed to be, off at war
1: this wouldn't happen exactly right, right so he's at home looking for something to do so he goes up on his palace high and he looks out over the houses around and he sees a young woman bathing now that in and of itself is not necessarily unusual Um. People would bathe in different places. And Bathsheba bathed on the top of her house. And uh, David saw it. Uh, The top of the house was frequently used as a place uh, just to carry on sort of normal family functions. Uh, People would go to the top of the house and they would eat. Uh, They would go to the top of the house. Especially when evening came, because the way houses were constructed, uh, the walls were made of thick dirt, so uh, that, that was on purpose. It would soak up the sun's rays during the day, and when it got cold at night, it would heat the inside. Hmm. And then during the day, well, over the night, uh, the the literally an earth bank, a temperature bank, uh, lets off its heat at night, and it soaks up the cool of the evening. During the day, it's cool inside the house because the walls were so thick, and that included the roof, which was uh, a fairly thick layer of dirt. So it was relatively common for somebody to go up to the top of the house in the evening Uh, To rest, because it's still hot inside the house from the sun during the day. Top of the house, you catch the breeze. Where do Jesus and Nicodemus meet? On top of the house, where Jesus is resting after a long day. Hmm. So Bathsheba goes to the top of the house, and she bathes. And David sees her and says, hmm, that's a good-looking lady. Now, here's where the problems come. David calls her, and one of the reasons he calls her, beyond the obvious lust, right. is um, in all of the neighboring countries, the king gets his way. And if the king decides he wants Jane over there, he takes Jane. This is David doing exactly what the kings in the neighboring countries would have done. Um, He calls for Bathsheba. Bathsheba answers. Now, she is a victim uh, in all of this. I mean, what else can she do? He's he's king. So she's got to come, but she knows what's coming. Right. And... They have sex, and she ends up pregnant. Now, (laughs) this is where you start seeing all kinds of of interesting things. Uh, David finds out that this is Uriah's wife, and we mentioned this last week. Uriah is one of his 30 personal bodyguards. It was his personal army. He was a friend. Um, Whether he knew who Bathsheba was before that, we don't really know. But once he figured it out, then he called Uriah back from the front on the pretext of finding out about the war. And when Uriah tells him, David says, go home to your wife. Now, obviously, what David is thinking is he'll go home to his wife. Uh, they'll make love. And when she has a baby, he'll nine months later, his. yeah, he'll think it's his. Well, Uriah sure. refuses to go. He says, my, my friends are sleeping on the battlefield. Uh, I'm no better than they are. I don't deserve to be able to come back and go into my wife." So uh, he goes and he sleeps with David's slaves. Uh, He he just, apparently they didn't have beds, so uh, he grabbed a a roll and rolled it out on the ground and slept on the roll with the cover. And David, uh, the next day, finds out from his servants that Uriah never went home. Hmm. So David calls Uriah. And he gets him drunk and says, now, go home to your wife. And Uriah does the very same thing again. Even drunk, Uriah refuses to go home to his wife. So that's when David sends him back to the war with a message to Joab that says, uh, attack the city, get up close, put Uriah in the middle of the fight, and then withdraw from around him and let the Ammonites kill him. And uh, Joab reads that, and that's exactly what he does. Uriah dies. Now, here is where the interesting thing happens. Uh, Bathsheba goes through the 40 days of, of uh, mourning, and after that, David takes her into his harem. Now, David makes love to Bathsheba. She finds out she's pregnant. Now, how does she figure out she's pregnant? Well, she's late for a period. Uh, if you look at when, when a lady is fertile, it's around the midway of the menstrual cycle. So two weeks have gone by. There's two weeks. He sends She sends a message to him right away. Let's say, The first day that she knew her period was coming, she goes into David and says, I'm late, I'm pregnant. Okay? So David sends a message to Joab. Ammon is a couple of days away. So two or three days to get there, give the message to Ammon, have Uriah the Hittite come back and see me. He comes back. Another week has gone by. Now there's three weeks since David and Bathsheba made love. Two days that Uriah is there. He leaves on the third day. Again, a two- or three-day journey. We're now talking four weeks since Bathsheba is pregnant. Let's say Joab puts him in the middle of the battle the very next day, and he's killed the very next day. That's a month later month after David and Bathsheba make love. David, uh, well, Joab now sends the message back to David that Uriah has died another two to three days. So there's four and a half weeks. Bathsheba goes through 40 days of mourning, which was the appropriate time to mourn. 40 days is, uh, Seven weeks? No, no, not quite. That's, it would be five and a half weeks. Had a half week already, so now we're looking at a full ten weeks. Then David takes Bathsheba into his harem, and 30 days later, she gives birth to a full-term baby. And David thinks he's fooled everybody. This healthy baby boy, this full-size baby boy, is born thirty days—or what? Not thirty days. Thirty weeks. Okay, I was like, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? Okay, thirty weeks, forty weeks gestation. So thirty weeks. Um, You know, a thirty-week-old. Uh, preemie does not look like a 40 week baby
0: (laughs) right interesting
1: yeah David thinks he's fooled everybody he hadn't fooled anybody and then in chapter 12 uh, we get the story of Nathan coming into David Um, God didn't have to tell Nathan what was going on Nathan had eyes he could see what was going on and he said okay so he tells this story of a man who is a poor man lived next to a very rich man. The poor man had nothing. Uh all he had, he didn't even have any children. All he had was a little ewe lamb that he loved and he loved it so much. When you only have one lamb, you don't have a herd that you have a shepherd to watch. You you just watch it yourself. So he would take the little ewe lamb into his house. And every night, the little ewe lamb would lay down with him in his bed. And he loved that little ewe lamb. A guest comes to the rich man's house. And the rich man looks at his huge flocks and says, "Uh, I really don't want to kill any of my lambs. I think I'll take that guy's lamb. So he takes his lamb and he kills it and he gives that to his guest. And they feast on it. And David hears the story, and he is just irate. And he jumps up on his throne, and he pulls out his sword, and he starts swinging it around his head. And he says, bring that man here. I'm going to cut his head off. And Nathan says, David, you are the man. (laughs) That's such a good... And the sword kind of platters to the ground and David sits down in his throne and he says, what have I done? What have I done? And Nathan goes on. He says, "Uh, God gave you. Look at what God gave you. He gave you everything. Look at all the wives you have. And you had to go and take Uriah's wife. And then, to justify yourself, you had to kill Uriah. Hmm. And David says, "Uh, what have I done? And he recognizes it. I mean, he recognizes it. He really does. And he really repents. He's sorry for what he's done. Story goes on. The child is born. The child dies. Um, David has other sons. One of the things that Nathan prophesied for David was that the sword would not depart from his house. Because he had killed Uriah, and immediately we get the story of Amnon and Tamar.
0: Before we go there, I yeah. am curious. Um, earlier in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, it talks about how the sins of the father will be visited on the on the what is it? The second to third generation,
1: the second to third, even to the seventh generation. Okay, right. Does God lift that at any point in time? In the book of Ezekiel, he says, I will no longer do that. Now, but a father will be guilty of his own sin, and if the son is righteous, he is righteous. If the son is guilty, then he will be held accountable for his sin, and the father will not.
0: But at But this that's point the book time, of
1: Ezekiel. That's post-exilic, basically.
0: Right. So right now, that's still in effect, though. Oh, yeah. And that's where this is going, though. Is oh, where, yeah. But So, so here's—really quick, too, before we go into this— um, I feel like when we talk about the story of David and what David's sin was, we see what happened with Bathsheba. Right. And in some sick way, and I, I don't understand this, but maybe you can speak to this. Have you encountered people taking her and making her the bad guy like a temptress?
1: I've heard of it, yeah.
0: I don't understand that. Oh, whatsoever. she was
1: up. She was she was bathing in public. She was up on the roof of her house where everybody could see, yeah, that's no, that's not why she was on the roof of her house. It's right, just something that people would do.
0: Okay, so you you've got that. Okay, so we see that, and then we see the murder, and yep. we and that's really what we focus on. And we're like, and that was his sin. But just through what you've just said here, I've just been jotting down things as we've gone, and I've just been I've written down everything he did that God would have would not have been okay with.
1: It's not just those two he, things.
0: You've got the sexual immorality of right. having sex outside of marriage, which right. he did.
1: Right, he did.
0: You've got that he leads Uriah into drunkenness. Right. He gets him drunk. Right, okay? he gets him drunk which
1: purposely. Th-
0: right, you, you're not supposed to lead people into sin right. or temptation, right. Right? right? Okay, he marries multiple wives, which he's been commanded as a king not to do, and he has that. Right. Okay, right. He murders Uriah. He's deceitful about all of it. Yep, okay? yep, yep. And then when we look at what happens with Bathsheba, as well as it being sexual immorality, it's basically state-sanctioned rape that he yeah. calls her in and says, I'm having sex with you. Yes. And, I mean, it proves it, though, that she doesn't tell anyone. She's, right. She would die. She would right. probably die if she right. told anyone. Right, right, right. And so it's like it's not just two little sins. Like it's so, so much, and it just keeps going getting out of hand until nathan comes in it does but it doesn't necessarily stop there and that's where you're going
1: well yeah and that's the thing so all of a sudden david kind of takes a back scene now and now we get uh, the sins of the father being repeated in the in the children amnon is half brother to tamar his half sister She's a good-looking young, young lady, and he desires her. And he lets her know. And he lets her know in such a way. Uh, basically, he pretends to be sick, and he says, Please have Tamar. I, I really like that soup she makes. Have her make some of her soup and bring it to me. She does, and Amnon Uh, grabs her and tries to pull her into bed and she says oh no don't do this she says talk to our father and he will give me to you and maybe maybe not i don't know but tamar is she's not trying to reject amnon but she's definitely saying this is wrong what you're doing is
0: wrong. right and if David gives him to her in marriage or her to him in marriage. I mean, it's, it's still screwed up by our standards today, but it's marriage.
1: But it happened. Yeah. 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 Um, Amnon forces himself. He rapes her. And incredibly interesting and actually incredibly insightful Scripture says that after he raped her, he hated her. His hatred for her was greater than the love that he previously had for her. He was only He was looking at her as an object. And once he had the object, he didn't want it anymore. He could throw it away, which is what he did. So now Tamar is, um, she's tainted. She's been raped, so she is no longer eligible for marriage. Uh, It it would take someone equally dishonored to marry her, and she's a princess. She's King David's daughter. So who would marry uh, a princess who's been raped by her brother? Hmm. In that day and time, just wouldn't take place. So Absalom, who is Tamar's full brother, same father, same mother, says to her, come and live in my house. I'll take care of you, and I'll take care of this. And he does. Um, We never hear of Tamar again. Uh, She uh, apparently lived the rest of her days with Absalom, Uh, Absalom cared for. Absalom loved her very much and tried to provide everything that he could for her. Uh, She was just single till the day she died. But two years later, he invites all of the king's sons to a big banquet. Amnon is there, and during the banquet, Absalom kills Amnon. Now, the word gets out. Servants run and tell David, Absalom has killed all of your sons. And David uh, eventually finds out, okay, it wasn't everybody. It was just Hamnon. Um, Absalom is sent away. I mean, you can't have a murderer living in the murderer's house. <laughs> So he sends Absalom away and for several years Absalom ah, he's just as shrewd as his father, just as sneaky. He would stand at the city gate and uh, when people would come in to talk to King David because they had an issue, Absalom would say, "Hey, what you what you doing here?" They'd say, well, you know, my neighbor, he moved the stone. and uh, He's claiming territory that's actually mine, and I'm trying to get David to, to fix it. Absalom would say, oh, boy. Boy, I wish I were the judge because I understand what you're saying. I see how right you are, and I would give you what you're looking for. He's uh,
0: playing the political game.
1: Right. Who knows if my father would do that? Next guy comes in, what are you here for? He said, Well, I've got a neighbor. He claims that I moved the stone and that I took land that's his, but it's my land. Oh, boy, I wish I were your judge because I understand. I see what you're saying and I'd rule in your favor, but who knows if my father will? Well, his father's going to rule against one of the guys, but Absalom's told them both that I'd rule in your favor. I'd rule in your favor. So he plays this game for a couple of years and eventually all of Israel is looking at Absalom and saying, gosh, he ought to be the king. He would would help us out. Where David, you know, who knows what he's going to say when you go go in front of him. Absalom makes his move. He talks to uh, uh, his advisors and uh, they say it's time. He actually brings the army with uh, one of the one of the generals, and he forces David. There is a civil war. When David took over the kingdom, the civil war was north against south. Now it's David against Absalom.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: David's supporters against Absalom's supporters, and David does not have that many supporters. So he's driven out of Jerusalem. Um, Absalom actually gets some bad advice from a counselor who is still faithful to David and gives him bad advice intentionally. Uh, He tells him, uh, Absalom, once David leaves, Absalom was going to attack him right away. And uh, the bad advice is, oh, your, your father is a man of the desert, and uh, he knows where to hide, and you bring your army out and you attack him now, and uh, he's going he's gonna to win. So wait. And what he was doing was he was giving David time to organize. He, uh, he took that time, and he organized. And eventually, when the two armies fought against each other, David was actually able to win and the, the, the real way that he won was kind of a divine thing. Absalom who had long flowing hair drove his chariot mm-hmm. underneath a tree. His hair got caught in the tree and he's hanging there suspended by his hair. And Joab sees him, takes three javelins and drives him through his heart. So three spears and, uh, kills him comes back to tell david that his son is dead um david takes back the kingdom question yeah
0: doesn't david mourn over absalom
1: oh my goodness yeah
0: and that's without moving forward like every time david's enemies all of david's enemies are like either his relations or his friends right right And it's like even though he has to like fight them or overcome them, it's like he's destroyed when he finally does win and they die.
1: And this is why people love David because he is a man of such deep emotions. Right. And they see his love for his son and they understand it. But Joab finally comes to David and said, David, you got to stop. If you want to mourn. Go in your tent, shut the door, and mourn. But you're mourning out here in front of the guys who fought for you, and you're making it sound like you wish they were dead and Absalom were still alive. Hmm. And David, he he does calm down at that point, but he just, oh Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom, my son, oh Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom, my son, and just on and on and on, and yeah, Hmm. this depth of emotion in David is one of the things that draws people to him and it's also one of the things that turns around and bites him in the butt Mm -hmm. it's his depth of emotion that drew him after Bathsheba and we'll see it later on as well
0: yeah yeah it's kind of, it's the double-edged sword. like
1: It, it is. It's kind of it what
0: makes him great and destroys him.
1: It, it, it makes him great and it makes him vulnerable at the same time, which, gosh, you know what? There we are. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the things that make us strong are some of the things that the enemy can use to tear us it's, down.
0: It's because we don't know where to cap the limit on certain things, right? It's, right. Yeah.
1: Right, right. Hmm david continues to fight israel continues to grow in chapter 24 we get this strange chapter where david takes a census we take a census every 10 years i mean we may even have worked for the government during a census going out and being a census taker because i understand it pays fairly well and training's quick it's short-term work and then you're done and Well, David took a census, and his advisor said, What do you want to do that for? Don't do that. That's just a census. And when he's done, God punishes him for taking a census. What in the world is up with that? Why is taking a census such a big deal? Well, it's because at the time, the reason a king would take a census was for two reasons. One, he'd take a census to figure out how many soldiers he had.
0: There's a money tie here, isn't there?
1: (laughs) And he would take a census to figure out how much tax to charge. Yeah. So David takes the census. That is probably what's in the back of his mind. Either, going to get my... Army together, we're going to go out, we're going to conquer more land. Or um, my coffers are running a little low. I need to uh, hmm. I need to have some income here. Let's figure out how much we're going to charge it, in tax. It's
0: sort of out of like a distrust for God.
1: Both of them are. Yeah. Yeah. I won't trust God to lead me to know if I should fight or not. I won't trust God to provide for me what I need. to I take
0: need. that into my own hands.
1: I'm going to take that into my own hands. Mm. It's kind of what he did with Eating Bathsheba. Eating that
0: fruit, man. Yep. Eating that fruit.
1: Yep, yep, yep. What he did with Bathsheba, hey, the other kings do it. Taking the census. hey, the other kings do it. Why not me? Um, as a result, God says, okay, you got a choice. Three years of famine, three... Months of an enemy sending your army running or three days that I come down myself and I start wiping out people. And David says, I'd rather be attacked by the Lord. Maybe he'll have mercy on us. And sure enough, after a day, David prays and God suspends the punishment because so many people had died. Scripture says a plague. We don't know what it was. Uh, a uh, uh, <clears throat> what would that be? A tenth century BC COVID or uh, <laughs> SARS or something that was that was uh, sweeping over the nation. But David uh, actually makes an offering, uh, uh, and. Uh, the Lord does suspend the punishment. But there it is again, David's sin. Uh, David was the one that wanted the census, and his advisor said, don't do it. Did it anyway. Did it anyway.
0: Hmm. It. So going to we, – we can focus on the bad he did there, but I like – The way he handled picking three days of God's punishment because he trusted God's character there, that he knew who God was and he knew God was more merciful, more trustworthy than any enemy God could send. That's almost – it almost felt like a test.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I really do think that the deal with David is he understood. He knew. he was weak and he gave in and when the prophet or the priest or his advisors would say you know that was wrong he would pretty consistently say oh man i screwed up didn't i and he would genuinely repent his life story
0: feels like that verse in is it first corinthians when paul's talking about Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, yeah, yeah. The good that I want to do, I don't do, and the bad that I don't want to do, I do. Romans 7.25. Right. And and see, there's all this speculation as to, oh, is that before Paul was saved or after Paul was saved? And from my personal experience in being saved, it's totally after Paul has been (laughs) saved. Like, you can say otherwise, but I am sorry. Like, I know I am saved, and my walk is not a... Happy, go lucky, easy.
1: My take on that whole question is this pre-conversion or post-conversion is conversion has nothing to do with it. Man is weak. Man sins. Right. This is what happens when man tries to do it on his own. He's going to screw up.
0: I mean, David, to to me, what David portrays is David seems like as good as it's going to get for mankind. Without God himself intervening yeah. and doing it right. for right. us, right. which is what we get in Christ. Yeah. But like other than Christ, David is as close as it seems to get to like somebody actually getting it right. And look just how screwed up it is. <laughs> like yep. It's so bad.
1: So the very last thing that happens happens in 1 Kings. Um, David is really old. He, he he finds it hard to sleep at night. Uh, he's cold all the time. Man, I get that. I get that. Yeah. I, I would visit my uh, in-laws in Florida. Living in Florida, we'd visit in the middle of summer. They'd have the heat on at night. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> we died going down to visit, staying with them. We eventually had to move to a hotel. Told them, we love you very much, but we cannot sleep in this house. And they couldn't sleep without the heat on because they were too cold. Really? So they got a new wife for David. And scripture says very explicitly she never had sex with him. But she was a warm body. And she would snuggle up to him trying to keep him warm at night. Um, Adonijah, one of his sons, Absalom is dead. Amnon is dead. Adonijah was the third oldest. Adonijah uh, decides, while David is still alive, he gets a group of people, and they go to Shiloh, outside of Jerusalem, and they anoint him king. Bathsheba hears about it, and she takes Solomon, who apparently at this time is still pretty young, he's probably uh, a teenager at best, and takes him to David and said, uh, my husband, didn't you promise me that Solomon would be king? Yes, my love, I promised Solomon would be king. Well, then why is Adonijah uh, surrounded by people shouting, long live the king Adonijah? Hmm. Uh If you don't do something, he'll come back. He'll kill Solomon and he'll kill me. And uh, David sends Solomon to the temple immediately. Has Solomon anointed king. So now you have these two factions. Well, David still controls the army. So when Adonijah figures it out, he comes before his and father. David is old right now. David is old. He's on death's door. He's going to die soon. Adonijah says, well, uh, I'm sorry for what I did. Uh, just let me live here. David says, okay.
0: He's so trusting. Uh, <laughs> so funny.
1: Actually, he's something else, and we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Here. Yeah, yeah. Then David goes to Solomon. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Adonijah goes to Solomon. David dies. Adonijah goes to Solomon and says, Okay, the young woman who was sleeping with my father is a very attractive young woman. Please give her to me in marriage. Solomon says, You're asking me for the kingdom. She was the wife of the king. You are asking to marry a person who would be the queen of Israel. And he has Adonijah killed. <laughs> mm. Because he recognizes that this was not so much. This is a political She's move. a looker. This is a political move. Yeah. So uh, end of David's story. And we move on. But let's look back at David. Uh, we mentioned his depth of emotion. We mentioned how that is uh, uh, a positive thing. It causes people to be incredibly loyal to David. And the story of loyalty, oh my gosh, there are great stories. I think I mentioned uh, last time, Hollywood has missed it. They could take these stories and put a script to them and, and uh, make billions. Um The city of Bethlehem has been taken by the Philistines. David and his 30 men go and attack the city. And uh, they're not able to break the siege of the city. And David just makes an offhand comment. Oh, man, I remember water from the well of Bethlehem. I wish I could get a drink from that well tonight. Well, the three, of the 30, there were three of them that were, they were the big guns. They were, uh, (laughs) you know, heavyweight champion and and middleweight champion, and (laughs) they, they were the guys who really knew what to do. They fight their way into the city while two of them are holding off the Philistines, the third one draws water from the well and they go back to the camp and they say my liege water from the well of bethlehem you can drink water from that well tonight and david takes it and he's overcome with emotion and he calls the priest and he says i want to make a drink offering to the lord and he pours it out on the ground and said this is the blood of my friends that I'm pouring out before you, Lord. And, uh, gosh, they'd do anything for him at that point. Just hmm. the depth of emotion there.
0: I'm sorry. I see a little bit of, almost a little bit of, like, communion language there. Um, yeah, there could be. <laughs> that's interesting. But, um, what, like, I put him in, like, Main character status of the Old Testament. Oh my with, goodness! With yeah, Moses. You Noah,
1: got Moses. You got Elijah. You got David. Beyond I, those three, man, everybody else is Isaiah. Second tier. Yeah, maybe some of the prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah.
0: I say all those guys are pretty okay in my book. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> they all stuck it out. But, uh, yeah, it, I, he's just one of those guys that, like, it. it's reinvigorating to read what David says about God. Because, Dave, like, it's really hard for me to talk to people who have never faced a whole lot of hardship in life and then try to tell me how I should be when I face <laughs> hardship in life. Yeah. yeah. David isn't like that. No. When I read what David's saying, it's not coming from this sheltered place. It's coming from a place of like this guy has lived it and he gets it. And where he's fallen short, he sees that and tries to fix it. Like he's he's kind of like a, he's a very good example of like just how a man should be. Like it's not a bad thing to be emotional. He's a good example
1: of a fallen man trying to follow the Lord.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: His depth of emotion at the same time that it was a strength, it was one of his primary weaknesses. Um. The depth of emotion with Bathsheba, there's somebody I want, I'm going to go get her. Uh, the depth of emotion with with uh, Absalom, uh, just mourning and mourning until Joab had to call him down and say, man, you're freaking out the troops. The troops are thinking you wish they were dead instead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just straight on through. One of the other things here in 1 Kings, it's chapter 1, verse 6. When Adonijah um, proclaimed himself king, 1 Kings 1 6 says, Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, Why are you doing that? Adonijah had been born next after Absalom. He's very handsome. David was not a good father he was disengaged with his kids Uh, he was disengaged with Amnon Amnon raped his sister a more appropriate action would have been called uh, let's call Amnon in here and deal with this David didn't do anything Absalom felt like he had to do something then Absalom kills Amnon David did nothing Again, David just takes the information, doesn't correct him. He sends him away, makes him live outside of Jerusalem. Joab tricks him into taking Absalom back. And he does come back to Jerusalem, and that's when things really start going bad. But he doesn't deal with uh Either Amnon or Absalom. He doesn't deal with Adonijah either, Scripture says. He never disciplined him. He never told him, never even questioned him. Why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that.
0: Why do you think he was so disengaged? Do you think it was that he just didn't know how to be hard on his kids? Uh, Or do you think that it was that he was just so wrapped up in being the king? that he just kind of tossed that all to the wayside.
1: You know, that's a great question, and there may have been, typically in a situation like this, there's some, uh, uh, this, the way he learned how to be a parent was from his own father. His own father, I mean, David's brother's picked on him. Scripture says that very openly. His dad didn't do anything about that. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so he may have just never had the model of a good father. Uh, Another person that was key in his life was Samuel. Samuel's sons grew up like the sons of Eli. They were priests, but they were not good guys. And Samuel apparently didn't do anything about that either. He questioned them, but he didn't really correct them. So he, 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 he may not have had this modeled for him
0: and it's funny you you mentioned Samuel cuz Samuel recognizes that his sons weren't good. Right. He knew. He knew. But and David's in sort of the same boat that he was aware that his sons weren't good. I mean, which um which son was it was it Absalom that raped all of his wives on the rooftop?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absalom. That's one of the things his advisors said once David left the city. Uh, his advisors say, go to the rooftop of the palace, bring all the harem, and you go in and have sex with all of them. That'll let everybody know that you are now the king.
0: I mean, this dude's life is just yeah. wrecked. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in every yeah. aspect.
1: Wasn't a good father. No. <laughs> his depth of emotion took him the wrong way, way too many times. So, all right. We've seen the
0: good in David. Yeah. We've seen the bad in David. Yeah.
1: What do we take from this? You know, when you come to the New Testament, um, the New Testament, I I think you said it well, it, it presents David... As a type of Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus is, is uh, well, David is kind of a symbol of the coming Messiah. Christ is referred to, the, the, the word David occurs like 1,100 times in Scripture. More than Moses, more than anybody else except Jesus. Jesus gets top billing, but uh, David is all over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament. And the reason he's in the New Testament is Jesus is the son of David. He is the seed of David. He is the, which has been prophesied. Which, which right? is prophesied. But it's more than just a prophecy. It's more than just a prophet said the Messiah will come from the line of David. Because could have been Solomon, could have been uh, Rehoboam, or any of those guys. But they mentioned David because he was first and because of his character. Mm-hmm. David kept coming back to God. He screwed up. He screwed up big time. He did. He, he was. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a bad king, and he kept coming back to God. And he'd say, "I messed up. I need forgiveness. Please forgive me." And there you go. Yeah,
0: he's he's real. I mean. Uh, you know david's you know called the man after god's own heart but then i think back to abraham and he's a friend of god yeah very similar yeah lifestyle choices like a lot of the same kind of problems but uh, no murder moses murdered but um they both when they screwed up They knew who was in charge still. They knew where they needed to go for forgiveness, for uh,
1: restoration. And that may be, that's at least why I appreciate David so much. Uh, I I can't say that I I identify with David because he was a king. (laughs) I'm not like that. He was a poet. I'm definitely not like that. Um, But I screw up too. And if i follow david's pattern i go to god and i say here i am i messed up and uh, i need your forgiveness
0: and something else another parallel i'm seeing here is adam and eve in the garden they sin and they go that, they hide from god and they make excuses david gets called out on his sin
1: and he repents. He goes to God and he says, here I am. And then he writes a hymn that will be sung and forever in a day, still today, yeah, we read Psalm 51 and are reminded of David's sin. David is willing to say, there's my sin, people.
0: So I think the important thing to learn here um, when reading stories in in the Bible is um, it's not that we are to read it and go, "Oh, I'm them," and like that they're me in this story. Like, I, no, they're them. You're you. And yeah. I know we've talked about this before, but like when you read, when I read the story of David, like kind of like you just said, I'm no king. I'm no poet. Like I can't. I can't. I'm not David. But there are things that David is dealing with that are very similar to things that I deal with, yeah. or I, you know, just the. The life as a sinner in general, right? Um, and so we can then take what Dave, David does and what pleases God about David and go, oh, that's what God wants to see in a person. You know, like, yeah. it, and so we should do that with all stories. And that's why these faith stories are so important because, like, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are or, you know, what your life is like. Everybody's got a similar walk with Christ when they're doing it right. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't matter all the excess stuff. It's about where your heart's at with God. And I think that's what we can learn from David. Yeah. Got anything else for me? No. Cool. I like stories like this. They're fun.
1: David's a, uh, yeah, he's awesome.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yes, he is. Um, Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you've got questions for us, you can send those to salty saints at BecomeHope.com or questions at BecomeHope.com. And uh, leave us a rating, uh, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe button, click, whatever Share you can it. do. Share it, whatever you can do. Um, stay salty. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says,